0: Hello, I am Professor Jeremiah McCoy, the monstrous ecologist. I've been asked by the esteemed Jeff Greiner here on the Tome Show to help enlighten his listeners to the various vagaries of villainous flora and fauna vis-a-vis monsters. In these tales from the desk of the Monstrous Psychologist, I will be digging into the various inspirations for the monsters in D&D, both real-world and fictional, as well as various iterations through the various editions. I will hopefully entertain you with some details that you might not know. Maybe it will also give inspiration in how to use said monsters in your campaign. Uh, Now, we will pause for a brief word from our sponsors. We scholars search through arcane tomes all the time. Much of your research needs can be met through the fine folks at Noble Knight Games. Noble Knight is an online retailer and a brick-and-mortar store. They have a vast selection of old and new RPG products to satisfy your gaming needs. Please go check them out, as they have been a long-time supporter of the Tome Show. As to our subject at hand, few creatures can carry the level of fear as our subject today, the Tarasque is one of the largest creatures in deity and one of the hardest to defeat. Its size and power invites comparison to the Kaiju of Japan. But that is not entirely its source. To find that, we must turn to French legend. Let us turn to the Golden Legend, in fact, and the life of St. Martha. Quote, There was a time upon the River Rhone, in a certain wood between Orleans and Avignon, a great dragon, half beast and half fish, greater than an ox, longer than a horse, having teeth sharp as swords, and horned on either side, head like a lion, tail like a serpent, and defended him with two wings on either side, and could not be beaten, with cast of stone, nay, with other armour, He was as strong as twelve lions or bears. Now that quote, as I said, is from the life of St. Martha. In the tale, the great beast was the child of Leviathan, and would eat knights as they came along. Martha was approached by the beast, and she showed her holy symbol and splashed the creature with holy water. It fell asleep and was slain while it slept. The land came to be known as Tarascanus in memory of the beast. Now, this is not the only version of this creature's legend, but in most, it is not perhaps the same scale as the D&D monster. But the naming, behavior, and appearance are clearly inspired from this original legend. But let us move on to D&D. It first appeared in Monster Manual 2 in 1983. In this, it is listed as unique. It is described as ravishing the countryside, leaving barren wasteland behind. Its armor hide gives it an AC of negative 3, which, in first edition, is quite good. It has 300 hit points... Six attacks per turn, two claw attacks, a sweeping tail lash, a bite, which is treated like damage from swords of sharpness, and two horn attacks. Now, for those who are not familiar, the sword of sharpness description means that if it rolled at 18 or higher, some portion of the target's body was removed, such as an arm or a leg. That is not all, of course. <laughs> oh, no, no. Creatures of level 3 or lower are frozen in fear till it passes, with no chance to save against this effect. Now, oh, that sounds bad. As long as it's in sight, you can't move or act. From level 3 to 6, panic and fleeing is what happens and again you have no chance to save against this now at seventh level you begin to be able to have a save uh, against paralyzation to avoid the effects Uh, what about magic you might ask well the carapace of this creature was so hard and reflective that bolts rays Uh, Things like lightning bolts, cones of cold, even magic missiles had no effect. In fact, you could, on a roll of one and six, have that spell reflected back at the caster. Uh, It was immune to fire, they regenerated health, and uh, you need a plus one magic weapon or better to hit. Even if you managed to deliver the almost mountainous levels of damage, to drop it to zero health, it still won't die. The method of actually killing one is described in the text. Again, I will quote, The slaying of the Tarask is said to be possible only if the monster is reduced to negative 30 or fewer hit points and a wish for its death then used. You had to use a wish spell to finish it off. Now, beyond the description of the stats, um, there are some further details. Uh, The carapace can be reduced for a large number of diamonds after it's dead. The underbelly can be mixed with its blood and meteoric iron to make shields with a plus five magic bonus. Uh, They also describe a cycle of dormancy and activity. They tend to only forage for a week or two, and then sleep for five to twenty months. There is no real discussion of their origin. They are listed as having animal intelligence, so the motivations are fairly simple. Eat, then sleep. As we move into second edition, it does have some similarities. The uh, appearance here was first in Monstrous Compendium 2 in 1989 and repeated in the Monstrous Manual in 1993. In this version, it is definitively stated to be a solitary creature with the phrase, fortunately, only one is known to exist. Several of the stats are almost identical to the first edition version. The teeth are like the Swords of Sharpness still has the immunity to fire and various other things uh, a reflective hide these are all the same with the fear effect is still exactly as it was before and of course the elaborate means required to slay the beast is here now it proposes the possible origin of the creature as being created by evil, elemental princes, or possibly a primordial god. That's a fine theory, but it is not the only one that we find in 2nd edition. The Spelljammer setting establishes that they originate on the planet Falks, in realms space. An entire planet of them. It beggars the imagination. So, in 3rd edition, They are every bit as terrible as their previous editions. The hit points have moved up to 800. They also have damage reduction 15 epic, uh, immunity to fire, poison, disease, energy drain, ability damage, uh, a regeneration of 40, scent, and a spell resistance of 35. Now, the wish spell requirement is still present, and the overall impression at this point is that this is, in fact, the single toughest monster in all of d They again state that there is only one, and it may have been created by evil wizards or elemental beings. During this era, however... There is an article released. The Ecology of the Tarask is printed in the last Dragon Magazine issue 359. This article reiterates the previous discussions of cycle and slumber and rousing to eat everything around. This is a little more detailed on why and how the Tarasque is a creature that Exists only to feed. It wakes long enough to eat and fill itself. Once it is full, it will sleep. It can sleep for months or years. When it sleeps, the creature is burrowed into the earth and is virtually undetectable. The burrowing described is much the same as what is found by the Zorn. A few other details are to be found here. First, Uh, The indication is that this is not actually the only one. Uh, It seems that it is a rare creature, but a creature found in various parts of the multiverse. Second, the article does spend some time uh, talking about the multiple stomachs and the overall digestive system of the monster. Uh, Virtually nothing survives the digestive process and its stomachs will even strip off powerful enchantments. It is possible you could use one as a means to destroy a powerful cursed item. Of course, if it's close enough to swallow the item, it's close enough to swallow you. So that plan has some flaws. Let us move on to the fourth edition. There are obvious rules changes in much as fourth edition was a sharp departure from the older editions of D&D. The regeneration disappears. Instead, when the monster is reduced to zero hit points, it slips back into the Earth's core for a time. It is no longer immune to any damage types, though it is immune to charm and fear. It does resist the first ten points of damage from any source. So, Rather than being immune to all so- a particular set of sources, it just takes less damage from all sources. Uh, it has a few new abilities. Uh, there's the Express Burrowing speed. Um, they have the Dread ability to ignore damage resistance, which in 4th edition, damage resistance was fairly common as a, a, an ability of items or uh, special abilities. So having it ignored is not ideal for the uh, would-be adventurer. Uh, They also have a power called earthbinding, that uh, reduces the flying speed of any flyers near it uh, to one meter per turn. It also has 1400 hit points, so it is still a long hard slog to bring one low. That is to be expected for this sort of monster. Uh, the law has changed in 4th edition. Uh, the monster is a creation of the primordials. It was created and bound to the world so that it would destroy all that the gods had created. It slumbers at the Earth's core and uh, stays there until it is awoken. So we move into our current edition. Now, the 5th edition version is a return to form. They've uh, lowered the hit points from the 4th edition heights down to around 600. Uh, the damage immunities are back. The immunities to several conditions are here. There's the frightful presence, uh, which causes fear in people who are affected. Um, there's the, the bite, the tail, the horns. It even has a chance to reflect attacks back at the attacker. Um, this is very much... Uh, return to the earlier edition roots, with some extras tossed in. Uh, has three legendary actions and three legendary resistances. It also has the siege monster trait, meaning it does double damage to structures and objects. It can literally eat your house, as it were. Uh, what is not here, and this is a significant change is the seeming immortality of the Tarrasque. It does not regenerate damage, and does not require a wish to make sure it's dead. Now, the lore, at this point, is spare. The Monster Manual states that the Tarrasque is to believe to be the only one, that it sleeps in the earth, rises to destroy whole towns, and then disappears. No explanation of its origins are given. I should take a slight diversion at this point. For the sake of lore, of course. Uh, There is another side tale to add. The Forgotten Realms comic, published in the late 1980s, is an excellent run of stories. It was written by Jeff Grubb, a man with more than a little involvement in the development of D&D over the years. Uh, In its second major arc, there was... A tale which ties to the Tarasque. In this story, a mysterious masked figure was hunting dragons of the north with a staff. This staff's head was shaped like a Tarasque's. Uh, it allowed the mysterious cultist to simply kill dragons dead, it took their heads. Later, using those heads and the staff in a ritual, the cultists summoned the Tarasque and used it as a mount. It killed dozens of dragons. The Tarasque was driven out of the world when the wielder of the staff was forced to flee under assault. Now, there is no further exploration of the caster's origin, the staff, or how they are tied to the Tarasque but it does raise some interesting questions. Maybe the death of dragons is the beast's true purpose. Who's to say? Let's review the creature itself. The creature is 50 feet tall and 70 feet long. It resembles the Tyrannosaurus Rex, but with fully formed long arms. There are two large horns protruding from its head, and it's, it has an enormous mouth. The creature is not dissimilar from, say, a famous kaiju like Godzilla, except without the crest down the spine. It is a low-slouching creature, however, to eat all that it comes across. It has a hard shell, not too unlike a tortoise or even some form of armor. This carapace is encrusted with diamonds. This explains its tremendous durability and its reflection of spells. In the current edition, as of this report, there are only two creatures in d with a CR of 30. The Tarrasque and Tiamat from the Rise of Tiamat Adventure. It is the most powerful and deadly monster available. As to the lair, well, Tarrasques don't have lairs, really. They sleep in the Earth, and by the law available, uh, are undetectable in that state. They will wake, they will eat till full, and then they will sleep again. When they are awake, they are virtually impossible to sneak up on. They have a wide, blind-sight ability. That means that you can't really sneak up on them in the dark. They are immune to many types of damage, they will not burn, they cannot be poisoned, non-magical weapons have no effect, they feel no fear, they cannot be charmed, or reasoned with. Spells cast at them are unlikely to take effect, and if they are attacked by any spells that require an attack roll, or is a magic missile, then you have a one-in-six chance of them simply reflecting the spell back at you. The rest of them just don't affect the Tarasque at all. Add into that the legendary resistances, and killing one is nearly impossible. It's more likely the beast will simply swallow you whole. And that would be unpleasant. Ultimately, this is not a creature which adventurers should fight. Instead, think of it as a natural disaster. The Tarask is an earthquake or a volcano. The best you can do is survive it and maybe pull victims from its path. Perhaps you might find a quest to keep such a creature sleeping. In one adventure set in Old Nethril, the adventurers were sent to cut a piece from the Tarask while it slept. There are many stories that you could tell with... Uh, Tarrasques, and many adventures I'm sure that you could think up to try and avoid their destruction. But remember this, when they are roused, be where they are not. Well, this has been our exploration of the Tarrasque and its place in d d This, like all our explorations, was performed to amuse entertain and educate if we have done so i uh, hope you will join us again feel free to check out the tome show sponsors their links are on the thetomeshow.com if you are so inclined please visit our patreon and contribute till next time this has been jeremiah your monstrous ecologist wishing you safe travels